Hey, Feminist Frequency Radioheads, you're probably sitting in traffic right now, maybe doing laundry, I don't know, enjoying this latest season of Feminist Frequency Radio, and you're thinking to yourself, this is life-changing podcasting. Where can I get more? The answer, my friends, is our Star Trek podcast, which is out now. We are tackling the new series, Picard, and you really want to know what we think, don't you? Tune in wherever you find your podcast and listen today. Best documentary has amazing things you should check out. Best live action short. Like there are things to celebrate. Those often aren't the categories that are shown um, during the ceremony. They might be in, you know, an alternative ceremony. But there there are places in which like new, amazing, beautiful things um, are being created and celebrated. So just, you know, scan down the list past the first like, you know, five categories and then dive into it. There's some things we're checking out. Welcome to Feminist Frequency Radio. This is the show that asks you to be critical of the media you love. I'm Anita Sarkeesian, and I'm joined today by two voting members of the Academy who refuse to watch Parasite because they don't want to have to read while they watch a movie. Carolyn Pettit. Can't they just dub those movies? It's so much better. (laughs) Ebony Adams. I came to watch a movie, not read a movie. Just in case this is your first time listening to Feminist Frequency Radio, none of that is true. <laughs> just, just in case. Just, just you know, in case you thought maybe we were horrible people. This week, we'll be chatting about the upcoming Academy Awards, which will be airing on Sunday, February 9th. Hey, everyone. Hey. My dear friends. Hello. I have been traveling for approximately 5,642 days. Yeah. I, That's loco. I saw you tweet that you visited the the Chicago Museum of Science and Industry. And, I did. It's going to be I, part of my freak out. Oh, wonderful. So I lived in the greater Chicago area when I was very young. And, you know, my memories of it are, are very hazy. I absolutely adore adored that museum when I was a, a child. And it's one of those places that I really hope to revisit as an adult someday, just to see how my, you know, my childhood memories kind of compare to my, the experience I have as an adult. But it definitely seems like it would still be a really enjoyable and cool place to visit as an adult. It was wonderful. And I will tell you all about it later. Terrific. But can we go back to me for a minute? Of course. Um, I've been on the road for a week, and I swear to God, I feel like I've been traveling for 10 years. I would just, I really, I really want to come home. <laughs> you, well, help me. I'm, this is my cities? cry for help. Ebony, Carolyn, help me. <laughs> I, I will offer whatever assistance I can provide. No, you so won't, because you, you're staying at my house and loving it. <laughs> oh, I am loving it, I'll, even though you have the hardest water known to man. But it is, apart from that, the coziest, cutest, most adorable Um house that I've it's I, I love it I never want to leave um Anita can I just Ebony, say Ebony's moving in with me y'all you heard it here first <laughs> yeah so Caro Anita told me like hey I've got this water filtration system because the tap water here is garbage I yeah. don't want to pollute your body she cares about me and she's like here's this complicated like 17 step <laughs> process to change the water filtration system and I freaked out because I hadn't seen it and I was like oh my this sounds hard like I'm gonna fuck this up and then he's gonna be back and be furious with me uh-huh. meanwhile I offered to water her plants and she was like nah you know I got someone coming over you don't know how to do it and I was like <laughs> wow. wow okay she's probably one of those people that like has you know certain food mixtures for her plants oh. and you know um, like different levels of things and like I need to check the pH balance girl listen you had me stressing over nothing the uh- the instructions for the plant watering was there's a silver watering can outside. There's a white one inside. <laughs> Use the watering can that's closest to those plants. Um, don't overwater. I, I mean, I'm not whatever. having you ozonate the water before you water my indoor plants, which is what I would do if I was there. But, you know, whatever. I'm just I'm taking it easy on you. Well, I will say my water filter isn't that complicated. It's just like it will dry out if I'm not if you don't use it. And I wasn't sure when you're going to be there. And then you, if you yeah. overfill it, it spills everywhere. So, like, I just it's yeah, whatever. No, it's all you, good. Shout Your out to my standing. fellow Berkey water filter people, because that's the shit. Yeah, it's delicious water. It is. It's really wonderful water. God, what an impressive opening to this show today. 
You know, I'm going to start my um, homemaking with Anita Sarkeesian podcast soon. And this was I would a taste of that. I would listen to that. <laughs> uh, it should also be called Anita's Weird Woo Woo uh, Attempts at Helping Her Health uh, that are total bullshit, but she does oh, them anyway. <laughs> invite me on that those episodes because I absolutely will be like, okay, here's a tour of the things that I saw off when I stayed in Anita's house that I had no idea what this was for. Yeah. I'm here for this and uh, nobody else. So that's fine. Why don't we talk about the Oscars? Do we have to? I mean, we don't. But I do want to talk about a few movies because I've been trying to catch up and uh, and I have I have uh, so many feelings. So let's do this. Um, despite the declining ratings year on year, the impossibility of finding a host without a back catalog of homophobic jokes, the increasing perception that the ceremony is just a way to celebrate the same old stories starring the same kind of people told by the same old folks who've always shaped our media. The Oscars are still a huge deal. Today, we're going to share our thoughts about the films and performances that were nominated and the things we loved over the last year that were overlooked. But first, maybe we should talk a little bit about the awards themselves. Carolyn, I know you uh, yeah. you like to set that up for us because we say the yeah. same thing every year and we're going right. to keep on doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when, you know, when the nominees are announced, there's always, of course, that reminder of how out of touch and how kind of... It, irrelevant as an institution in a lot of ways the the academy is and so then you might ask well why would we at feminist frequency even deign to like acknowledge the awards or treat them as if they matter and i think the reason is that it's because we as a culture uh, treat them as if they matter, that they matter. Like they, they have the, they're, they're, they're given this sheen of like authority and authenticity. And for a great many people, not just in the United States, but around the world, the Oscars have the ability to influence our collective perceptions of what cinematic excellence looks like. And it's because they have that kind of influence and that that just that level of like cultural importance that I think we have to in some way acknowledge that they matter and that, and you know, and that maybe it's useful to like respond to them in some way. Yeah. And also, you know, it influences who gets funding in the future. Sure. And like who, who, yeah. who you know, what, what kinds of topics and who is considered a valuable, who gets work. Right. I mean, um, stu- it, it has studios, a huge impact. Yes. Studios funnel huge amounts of money into, you know, Oscar campaigns that aren't even like advertising directed at the public, but just campaigns telling Academy voters like, for your consideration, like, please consider, you know, voting for, you know, Joaquin Phoenix for best actor, for instance. And so, and so, you know, and they're not doing that. I mean, they're doing that because it makes financial sense for them. There is pre- the prestige that comes with Oscar wins is obviously tr- can be translated into more money in, in the future. So yeah, this is the oh. thing that, um, that ultimately leaves me so dissatisfied and so, angry and, you know, dismissive of the Academy Awards. And to be honest, many of the award shows, except for ones that are specifically associated with like the guilds, like the Producers Guild or the Directors Guild. But the thing about the Academy Awards that gets me is the reminder every year that we are saying, we in quotation marks, are saying that collectively, these performances, these films represent the pinnacle of cinematic achievement over the past year. Not these are the films that we enjoyed the most, which would be a much more honest thing to say, or these are the films that did something new, or these are the films that, you know, like best achievement in the genre of angry white man films, but this (laughs) is the best actor performance of the year. And so when you look at the nominees and the types of nominees that get nominated year on year, you're like, wow, of every movie that came out that was eligible for an award, and we can talk about eligibility too, but everything that came out, like these are the five best and they just happen to be the same types of white dudes. Actually, amazing. can you you talk about eligibility? Do you feel equipped to do that? Because I think a lot of folks don't know how that works. 
Well, I mean, obviously there are the kind of the kind of standard eligibility criteria, um, like you know, uh, release date, for instance. So you know, within the the calendar year delimited by you know set forth by the Academy Awards, your film has to come out um, theatrically. Although there was some you know uh, wiggle room there with like Netflix and streaming movies, um, etc. Um, during the course of that year to be eligible, but. I don't know if you guys remember, excuse me, y'all remember um, the the story a couple of months ago about a wonderful Nigerian film that w- was ruled to be ineligible for the Oscars because it was primarily in English. And of course, it was, um, our, our assumption is that if it is a film not made by uh, uh, Americans or maybe British folks, sometimes maybe Australians, but essentially like white Westerners, the best it can hope for usually is a foreign film nomination, right? Um, But it has to be in a foreign language. And so there was this discussion about what does that mean for places like Nigeria or, you know, other places that like colonized places who, you know, uh, many folks speak English. Like, what does it mean to say your only option, your only true option at the Academy Awards is this one specific narrow category, but you're not even going to be eligible for this because you're not, you're too foreign and yet you're not quite foreign enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with all of that, uh, what were folks' initial reactions when they saw the nominees for the different categories? You know, namely, I'd say namely best director, best picture, but, you know, whatever yeah. whatever you were thinking. Uh, um, well, for me, it was, it was that resignation of, because um, Joker dominated, Joker, I think, has numerically, like, the most, you know, nominations. And that's a film that I just think is, is, um, and this is obviously this is my personal take, but I think it's a very hollow film that looks very good on the surface. You know, uh, aesthetically, it it has the sheen of like artistic achievement, and like you know, it has not the best acting, but the most acting, which are things that you know that the Academy responds to in terms of Joaquin's performance, and that these are things that. Um, it was just that kind of like, oh, fuck, like Joker is just such a morally hollow, empty film. And yet, of course, the Academy uh, is just showering it with praise. Like it, it was that. Oh, yeah, it's still like that. Like, that's how that's what the Academy is. That's what the Academy does, of course. Oh, oh, Greta Gerwig, not nominated for Little Women, even though that is, in my opinion, like one of the most strikingly directed films of the year, a film where you really feel the director's stamp on, you know, every frame. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, you know, typical. It Um, really, it feels startling that she wasn't nominated. Like, like, it's it's such a huge, like, obvious hole that it it feels so intentional in this way that is... my, I feel like, you know, I, I often look at the Best Picture nominees. That's really where I tend to, like, latch onto in when I first look at Oscar noms. And it just feels so um, exhausting, right? Like, <laughs> it, it, you know, like, yeah. it feels like are we uh, – several years ago, there was a, um, a Twitter – hashtag called Oscar so white to acknowledge how deeply white the Oscars are and the Oscars themselves responded to it in trying to be less less white in their their at least the performance on stage and the presentation of it and I think we started to see um a little bit of shift in the nominees over the years and it's just it I, when I look at the best picture, I'm like Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Joker, yes. like Little Little Women. I'm not saying Little Women is a problem. I'm just saying no, like Marriage Story, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the war movie, like you know, the Parasite is it. <laughs> I like that you don't even call it by its name <laughs> because it, like you could just put that into the stand-in every year, right? Like pa- Parasite is a a very shocking, uh, a very obvious like margin of error in this in this category. Yeah, that think thank God is in there. And I would like to speak more at length about Parasite in a minute. But yes. I just there is um there there is this element of like white dude suffering and white dude trials is 
and, and like war. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm so it's, exhausted right. by it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's that, you know, and it's that sentiment that I, I quoted in our Little Women episode, and I'm going to just paraphrase here, that I think Greta Gerwig hit the nail on the head in a Vanity Fair interview where she said she acknowledged that there's like this hierarchy of stories. And the Academy is like the, 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 the main or one of the big reinforcers of this hierarchy where male white male violence and white male like anguish are is like at the top of the hierarchy of what we deem important and like worthy of telling stories about and you know everything else is kind of is kind of secondary to that and and I also want to just you know quickly mention it with regard to this so the one like big nomination for uh, you know a person of color Cynthia um Erivo for Harriet which I admit is not a film that I've seen and I'm sure that she is excellent in it and that the nomination is well deserved but it's also worth noting that like um traditionally like if there's one kind of story that Academy voters are like right. comfortable seeing black people in and, and, and awarding even like best picture to it's, it's stories that put, you know, white supremacy and racism at a kind of remove and let us and may, maybe come out feeling good about, Oh, how far we've come as opposed to stories that confront us with the immediacy of white supremacy as it lives and thrives in our culture today. And, the, and, you know, she's, it's a film, a biopic of Harriet Tubman. It's, it's, I'm it's again, safe. it's safe. Exactly. It's, it has that, that element of safety to it. Um, yeah, so the just real quick for folks, if you can't immediately call them to mind, the films that were nominated for Best Picture are Ford vs. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. In 1917. In 1917, sorry. Um, of that list, t- it, to my mind, um, Jojo Rabbit and Parasite are the two kind of anomalies. Um, I mean, I think there are other films there that that certainly are fantastic. Anomalies films. in what way? Anomalies in that they aren't. We don't typically get um, stories like these. It's not just retreads of the same kinds of stories that we always get. So that the competition seems to be: how can you best duplicate? Um, you know, what has come before, how can you best, you know, like put a shine on this template that has already existed, you know, so the Irishman, no matter how much you love the Irishman, the fact is, it's not really doing anything new, right? Um, Can I... I'm just, I'm so mad <laughs> the Irishman Be is mad. nominated what? for Best Picture. I'm so mad about it. Uh, so, so I'm not, and I'm not mad that it's nominated. I, I, I think that it is a, a fine, I think it is an interesting evolution of Scorsese's gangster films. I think it is more reflective. None um, of that. Sorry. But I'm, I'm, I'm d- I just want to say like, finish like, your thought. Sorry. yeah, like, and, and so for me, I, I would not I wouldn't, I could live with the Irishman winning as a kind of lifetime, you know, achievement award type thing for Scorsese. The thing that would really uh, bother me is, is Joker winning because specifically Joker, like Joker is deliberately and intentionally an imitation of early Scorsese. And in my view, a very hollow one. And so like if, if Scorsese gets beaten by a film that is like just (laughs) an empty imitation of early Scorsese, like that would be like, give me a fucking break a moment for, for Carolyn. Um, yeah, well, I guess my the the reason why I listed um, the best picture nominees is that, and as uh, with the category of best director, um, so we've got Martin Scorsese, Todd Phillips, Sam Mendes, Quentin Tarantino, Bong Joon Ho. Like, you start to wonder as a creative who doesn't fit that mold whether the problem is not that you know you aren't good, but that you cannot replicate, nor do you want to replicate um, the model that is celebrated, right? So, but there's this inability on the part of so many, um, you know, film goers, media consumers to see that their tastes are 
not objective, but are in fact very subjective and very socialized. Um, like they've been socialized to to learn what greatness is. So if you are a female filmmaker who makes films like Martin Scorsese, for instance, you are much more likely to be feted than if you are a female filmmaker who makes movies that are about women that are, you know, an entirely different sort of thing. And I I bring this up because to date there have only been five women nominated, not one, but nominated for best director. And the woman who has won is Catherine Bigelow and she won for the Hurt Locker. Like, I think that's, it's, it's not at all a surprise, right? That like, if a woman's going to win, this is the kind of film that she's going to win for. Uh, Anita, you wanted to say more though about, about the Irishman perhaps, or do you want to? Oh, I was just going to say that, um, this isn't really that important. I was going to say that the the the, the thing that you were saying about the film, yeah. I don't think make it one of the best nine films of the year. Sure. Um, and that this really does feel like old guard bullshit. And like mm-hmm. you were saying, like a lifetime achievement kind of thing for Scorsese. But it is not like, uh, I just, I... I don't think that that the film did not need to be three and a half hours. It felt like a retread of shit that we've already seen a million times. Like I really want the Oscars to celebrate innovation and sure they don't, they just don't give a fuck about it. But every now and again, you'll get something like Jojo rabbit and parasite in the best picture category, which like if it won, we'd all be shocked. Like, I think we were all shocked that Moonlight won. Um, oh, absolutely. And they, and they fucked people. that up. <laughs> <laughs> In the room that yeah. night. Um, which, you know, like, uh, what a wonderful moment that that this very old school academy, academy recognized the innovation and the 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 incredible filmmaking of that, that film. But here I'm like, our options are so fucking limited. And not to... Yeah, I don't know. That that's all I was gonna say is I, yeah. I haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari. I, I haven't seen nineteen seventeen. Sure. Um I, you know it, Do I, we, I, I just mean, Yeah. I just I don't think like there's there's not a single movie in here that I wouldn't take out and put like the farewell in its place Ugh. or the last black man in San Francisco or even us, which I did not like as much as get out. But I just think like in terms of a director doing something and doing something new, you know, like there's just, and you know, luckily we'll have the chance to, you know, have these people like Lulu Wang and Jordan Peele, you know, and Joe Talbot, hopefully like, hopefully these people will have long careers and we'll be able to enjoy their work forever. But like when I think about films that I'm still, still thinking about having watched them several months ago, none of these films on this best picture list changed me. It feels a little, it feels a little bit like young folks um, who are doing interesting things are not considered because you're not like old school enough yet. Like you haven't done your chops or like you haven't, you haven't really like put the work in yet to get nominated. And that's not totally true. There are definitely young, you know, I'm looking at the best picture list and not necessarily best director, but I, I do want to say though, like parasite, um, I, I I'm removing that from the critiques of everything that we're oh, saying same, right now. Cause that same, movie yeah. fucking is, I'm so like I'm elated that it is oh, getting yeah. the recognition. Like mm-hmm. I, it just far and away, it blew my mind more than almost any other movie I'd seen in a really long time. Yeah. Um, so I'm I I just want to put that out there of like I'm thrilled that it's both best director, best picture, and that like whether it wins or not, at least that having that kind of recognition I think is extremely powerful of a movie that is not um in English uh, Mm -hmm. and a movie that is not Western based and a movie that is so deeply critiquing capitalism um, (laughs) like that. It just, I, I don't, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that it's in here and I'm pleased that it's in here. Can I ask a sensitive question? Anita Caro, Uh, have either of you seen bombshell Judy What's the other one? <laughs> the Two Popes. <laughs> no. I mean, which is not to say anything about these films, but th- this year, more than I think the past 10 years, I have been so uninterested in, in so many of the front runners and some of the performances. Like, even if I didn't agree with, you know, an, an Oscar nomination in the past, there was still a part of me that was like, oh, but I want to check out this film. It will be a cold day in hell before I sit down and watch Judy or Bombshell. Like, I just, 
Yeah. <laughs> like, or Richard Jewell. Like, I, the fact oh. is, I'm just never going to watch those films. But I, you I know? don't know. I think, I think often, though, a performance, I, I, I don't think it's unusual for performances to be recognized in films that uh, that are not that interesting otherwise, right? Like a right. No, no, not at all. I'm just saying that, like, that was just illustrative of the way I felt overall about the the categories. But I was struck by how many of the films um, that had nominations in big categories that I hadn't seen. Uh And I felt no push to, like, rush and hurry up and see, you know, some of them. Because usually there's some, like, for a for a performance to be nominated as Oscar award winning, the film it's not like the whole film is trash and then there's like one good performance in it, right? Like usually the films have something, some substance to them. And I'm not saying that these don't, but I I totally hear you if like I you know, I don't have a drive to go out and see them. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't I'm yeah. not going to go out of my way to do that where I've like, I've been trying to, trying to watch as many of the like best picture nominees as I could in the last couple of days. Um, but some of these, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not going to go there. And which one did you just see, Anita? I watched Jojo Rabbit and Parasite yesterday. Right, right. Okay. Um, I want to talk about Scarlett Johansson. Please. So she's nominated in best lead and uh, supporting. And I'm, I am so fucking here Mind boggled. I, well, yes, but also I'm here for it because I, so I have talked so much shit over over the years, so much. And like both in Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit, I like, I am rolling that back, man. I'm like calling myself out on this. She blew me away in Mm -hmm. both of these. And I think what, where I got stuck with her, because I've seen her in other things outside of Black Widow and was like, yeah, okay, whatever. I think that she's, I think that Black Widow is not a good character. Um, I think it's not written well. I think her backstory is boring. And I think that Scarlett Johansson's particular style of acting is not one that does well with that kind of quote, like the, the, the archetype of the strong female character. I think that someone like, um, um, Emily Blunt is really good at that. Yeah. I think she's phenomenal at that, but I don't think Scarlett Johansson is. And I got so stuck watching her be this character that she just should not have been cast for that. I forgot how, not forgot, but I, I did not experience how wonderful she was. So in marriage story, I like, it was gripping her, her, the way she performed it, the depth of emotion in Jojo rabbit, the, like the subtleties and the joy and the heartache, like she just elicited all of it. And I, I, yeah, so I'm, I'm here for, I'm so here for it. I I mean, I think, I think she's a, a, a a fine actor and and I mean, an excellent actor. We, I mean, we can't forget maybe her history of playing certain roles that, that Thank a you. white actor should not play. Um, yeah, and she supported. Um, oh, Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Woody Allen, right? Like, I'm not. I'm not uh, speaking about her as right. a human here. No. I don't know her, and she has yeah. issues and choices she's made. But I just, I kind of wanted to uh, acknowledge that I feel like I have been unfair <laughs> to um, her. So, yeah, no, not that that's, she gives to- a that's shit. totally fair. I, I'm not gonna lie. Like the fact that she's nominated in two different categories again. For the best performance of five of everything that came out in well, cinema. So I'm, for, just, I, I'm not here yeah. for it. I'm not here so, for it. So, for example, Laura Dern being nominated as a supporting role in Marriage Story. Like, Laura Dern's great. Like, she, she's fine. That, that role is not worthy of, of this nomination. Like, I, I was mean, shocked I, I, to see that. I, I mean, I disagree. I, I thought the way that that she because if you look at her in a film like Little Women, where she's so sincere and and warm and like you know you just feel like oh I just want to come home to her and she'd be, have her be my mom and she'd be like so so great you know and and it's a completely different character that you get in in Marriage Story where she's this like hard kind but of hard edge superficial L.A. divorce lawyer you know I, I don't know like I thought she was great. Enough- I, but I don't feel like that character was enough of a character to be nominated mm. there. So, okay. like, for example, I mean, um, uh, in Little Women, um, uh, Florence Pugh? Yeah. I don't, what was the, I forget the name of the character she played. But, like, I feel like that was a substantive supporting role in mm. the narrative to mm. be nominated in that role. I just feel like Laura Dern as the lawyer in Marriage Story wasn't enough to matter 
I mean, there's been there. Uh, I, I forget what the few, the shortest amount of screen time anyone's ever won a supporting actor Oscar for is. I, I mean, I think it was, it may have been like Judy Dench in Shakespeare in Love or something where, you know, it's this sort of thing where, anyway, this has been a, a conversation before of like how big mm. a role do you even have to have? And sometimes people, I think it's about like the impression they leave on the overall film. And for me, Marriage Story, <laughs> like, I don't know what her screen time was, but I don't know. You know, I mean, I really felt her in that movie. So, so in that sense, I, I'm okay with it. Um, so I, I cut Ebony I'm, I'm going to be like, mad that Jennifer, that's nah, cool. I just want to say, I'm just, I'm going to be mad that Jennifer Lopez didn't get nominated. For yeah. Supporting oh, actor totally. In that category. Totally mad oh, that yeah. she didn't get nominated. Like, Hustlers, and also, I just feel like that should have, she, she should have gotten a nom uh, for that. A hundred percent. And these are like every, like these are all almost all white women. Right, yeah, like, no. that's a huge problem. Yeah, of course it is. No, that is absolutely. Yeah, Cynthia Erivo is the only person of color um, Nom- in, in all the acting categories. nominees, yeah. um, male um, and female. Yes, and also, when are we going to do away with gender categories? Right. Although women would yeah. never get nominated, so yeah. Womp womp. Carol, can you talk a little bit about original and adapted screenplay? Because I do want to hear your thoughts uh, on those two categories. Well, I um okay, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, so that was adapt- a very smooth segue, but hit it. <laughs> I don't I don't have a whole lot to say about adapted screenplay. Nominees there are The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and The Two Popes. Um, uh, I think Little Women, for me, the way that Greta Gerwig restructured the novel for the film and broke down the linear narrative into this thing, into this nonlinear narrative that makes real, like, emotional and psychological sense, you know, makes that the front runner for me. And like anything here, I'll be very upset if Joker wins. Um, <laughs> but, you know, beyond that, I don't have really strong feelings about the category. Um Original screenplay, though, so the nominees there are Knives Out, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. And um, I certainly wouldn't mind a Parasite win here uh, because I think that film is brilliant. But I also really admire the screenplay for Knives Out, where I think Ryan Johnson did a really great job of creating a classically structured and really fun whodunit with a great new um, kind of leading detective character played by Daniel Craig, you know, that that also really smartly weaves in a lot of um, kind of social commentary and, you know, very, very contemporary concerns. So I'm kind of pulling for Knives Out to, to, to score a win there in original screenplay out of those nominees. Yeah. Um, hard same, hard same. Um, I do want to say, y- y'all both saw 1917, right? Oh, no. heck no. I So I have really? a friend who thinks it's, phenomenal and incredible and amazing and so I'm really curious um, mm. but I have not seen it yet it is it is a film that um, oddly I was left completely emotionally untouched by at the same time that I recognized um, the the profound kind of like you know ringing of the bell that was happening with these these vistas you know of of like fear and, and, you know, it's, um, yeah. and, and, you know, war and like, you know, man's inhumanity to man and, you know, like life in the trenches. Like I totally got it. Um, I do think that it is it, Roger Deakins. Like, what can you say? It, the dude knows how to fucking shoot a film. Like it's, incredible incredible to look at but in many ways i felt like because it was so beautiful to look at it yeah. kind of gets in its own way right a bit and you focus too much on the fact that it is this you know essentially one long extended shot from beginning to end um you know there's a couple of cuts there here and there but i think three total something like that you know and so you find yourself constantly thinking about how they did the things they did Rather than investing um, any real, you know, um, it, it, like care for these characters who, yes, are going through just, oh my God, horrific, horrific experiences during the First World War. I just wanted to hear what y'all thought of it. But if you haven't seen it, no worries. So I'm curious, I'm curious what your, like, if this wins, I'm gonna flip a table. Like the the one that, the one the one that you're like, please God, don't make it be that thing. And I think Carolyn said the Joker, like made a really compelling point for the Joker. Ebony, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts of like, no? I, oh man, R.I.P. to my mentions, but the Irishman, like, I just why? 
Why? <laughs> but Joker is so much worse. Okay, it's so, so I have for real. For, I know. I, 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 I totally agree. And yeah, like, I, I guess if the Joker wins, it will be so horrific that it will almost be laughable to me, which it's totally not. I mean, when you look at the kind of like, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Please do that all the time. It'll be all right if if Joker wins. It'll be my Joker origin story, right? Hey, right. Oh man! So I didn't. I haven't watched the Joker. Um. So it's, I. It's just Joker, everyone. It's not the Joker. Oh, Jesus. Sorry. Uh, So I haven't seen it, which I feel like I would like to see it so that I could have this functional conversation. But I, for me, it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, Mm -hmm. the Irishman, like, the Irishman, like, makes me upset for a lot of reasons, um, but not like Once Upon a Time does. Yeah. Uh, in that it's just like complete trash in so many fucking ways and it makes me so mad. So I think that's the one that I'm, I would be really, I, I suspect though, if I saw Joker, um, I would be with Carolyn on that as well. Um, yeah. bef- also, did anyone up, see Ford versus Ferrari? I, I saw Ford versus Ferrari. Did, um, you, is there anything to say about it? I mean, it's, it's a well-made film. It's, it's engaging. It's gripping. I think it's very watchable. I liked it overall. Uh, it's, it's totally uh, traditional, masculine, you know, uncritical kind of masculine bullshit in a lot of ways. It has no interest in challenging uh, gender, you know, norms. In fact, it reinforces them gleefully. And my one feeling, like I, I came out of that film feeling like there's this one antagonistic executive in the film played by Josh Lucas, who I felt was a little queer coded in that like, oh, smarmy, you know, I like there was, but but I hadn't, I haven't seen any commentary about that online. So maybe that was just my perception and nobody else picked up on that or whatever. I mean, I it's like, it's sort of like the kind of movie that, oh, I might watch it if I'm flipping channels and it's on cable type thing, but I don't, I don't really feel like it, it deserves to be a best picture nominee. Um, mm-hmm. um, Was- I, I do quickly want to, um, before we wrap up completely, I do want to also mention that I am in the best actor category. I am kind of rooting for Antonio Banderas, who is nominated for the Pedro um, Almodovar film Pain and Glory, which is absolutely one of my favorite films of last year. And is you know I think this is this is like its only major nomination, so I'm like I'm glad to see the film acknowledged uh, even to that degree. And um, and I think Antonio Banderas's performance in the film is very sensitive and lovely, and I would really like to see uh, him win win for that out of out of the nominees. That's one that I haven't seen yet that I do actually want to see. So I'm going to get on that asaptually. Um, is it weird that yes? Uh, is it weird that um, both Joe Pesci and Al Pacino were nominated for The Irishman and Robert De Niro wasn't? <laughs> Um, and also, how dare the Irishman take up two slots in yeah. <laughs> the supporting role category? Yeah. Just putting that out there. Um, I do want to. I, I was the only one that saw Jojo Rabbit, right? Ebony, you hadn't seen it. I have not seen it. So I saw it yesterday, and I really thought I wasn't going to like it because it has all the things that I don't like in films generally. <laughs> um, and it was Hitler, very good. You're very, usually very much not a Hitler <laughs> yeah. person, but you I know. Mean, I, I'm I'm not. Yeah, I, yeah. I can say with full sincerity that I'm yeah. not a Hitler person. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so it has a it has a bit of the um, oh, what's that director that I don't like? He does oh the, wow! Okay, <laughs> come on, Carolyn. You know this. He does the cutesy things, and there's the oh, uh, Wes the, Anderson, the Isle of Dogs, and the yeah, blah Wes blah Anderson. blah. Wes Anderson. Yes, yeah. I fucking hate Wes Anderson, and I hate all his yeah. goddamn movies, and I hate his aesthetic. And I don't actually hate his aesthetic, but I just don't like the movies, so that means I hate the aesthetic. Anyways, on the surface, I think Jojo Rabbit has a similar kind of aesthetic, um, and then also it's you know a really intense satire um, that. I was like, how do you do it? Like, how do you actually like be, be Hitler and like make and, and be a Nazi and like make fun of Nazis while being a Nazi and all of this stuff. And like it, it, it really, I think worked in this way that I was very surprised about. And so just sort of shout out to Taika Waititi for making that happen. Um, It's yeah. I would check it out. If you're, if you're on the fence about it, I I would check it out and, and see what you think. Um, all right. Well, 
Uh, before oh, we, I also want to shout out. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to give a shout out. Like if you uh, there are amazing things that the Academy has chosen to nominate this year, they just tend not to be in those bigger categories. But one thing that I absolutely loved was this um, uh, animated short called Hair Love uh, by Matthew Cherry and Karen Rupert yes. Tolliver. Like so it's beautiful. just so beautiful, so good. And I think like Best Documentary has amazing things you should check out. Um, best Live Action Short. Like there are things to celebrate. Those often aren't the categories that are shown um, during the ceremony. They might be in you know an alternative ceremony. But there there are places in which like new amazing beautiful things um, are being created and celebrated. So just you know. Know, scan down the list past the first like you know five categories and then dive into it there's some things we're checking out all right y'all well tell us what you think about the oscars we'd love to know what your thoughts are what movies you like which movies you're like why the hell did they nominate those um and you can do that in places like twitter i guess i don't know find us patreon there's all kinds of places anyways we'll be right back with our weekly freakouts Hey, FFR listeners, did you know that if you join our Patreon community, you can get nifty perks like early access, exclusive weekly bonus segments, access to our friendly Discord, and more? That's right, you can get cool stuff and help us keep doing FFR at the same time. What are you waiting for? Go to patreon.com slash femfreak. Now it's time to talk about what's been thrilling us, moving us, upsetting us, or infuriating us this past week. Carolyn, you got okay. something for us? I do. Uh, this may be, uh, you know, uh, you could argue that I'm cheating a little bit here because this is something that already has gotten quite a bit of attention uh, in, in freakouts recently. But um, so Act 5, the fifth and final entry in Kentucky Route Zero, uh, came out um, at the end of last month. So now the entire American magical realist road trip odyssey is out and available to experience. Um, it's a complete package available on steam and on consoles and, um, having just re- having revisited it, um, th- you know, in the past uh, few weeks and, um, and having played the conclusion and having, you know, written about it and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm only just more convinced, um, than ever that it, it, it is something truly special. It is a work um, um, about um, debt and exploitation and capitalism and struggle um, that I think um, is going to kind of, it's like one of the, one of the great like artistic works I've experienced in my life. It's the kind of work that, you know, we all have maybe those few touchstones, those few things that are like a really special to us and that kind of live on in us. Um, as we go throughout our lives. And, um, you know, Kentucky Red Zero is like that rare kind of <laughs> experience in video games that that enters that kind of pantheon of of like the truly, um, truly great um, uh, works of art. So, um, yeah, let's put a link also to, I wrote a piece uh, that, that uh, on Medium, I put it on up on Medium and that got some attention. We'll link to that. You can read it if you want to know more about why I think Kentucky Route Zero is so special. Um, but I highly encourage folks to check it out. It is a really uh, wonderful game. Ebony, what do you got for us? All right, so I would like to be honest and share the thing that I'm really freaking out about, which is the series finale for The Good Place. But I recognize that probably oh, a lot shit. of people still haven't seen it. So I'm going to save that freak out for can, next time. Can we do a um, collective freak out on the next episode of The Good Place so that we can talk about The Good Place? Should we just talk about oh, I need to talk about The Good Place. Let's talk about it. And, you know, I... Whatever. We'll talk about it and we'll talk about, you know, how emotional it made me and for what reasons. But anyway, um, so the thing that I'm freaking out about this week is, holy moly. Okay, there's two things. One, the Netflix uh, limited series Dracula, which is done by Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss, who many of y'all know from either Doctor Who or Sherlock. And there's a lot of Doctor Whoian, <laughs> Sherlockian touches in it. But it is just a, oh my God, it is completely banana pants in the most delightful way. It is lusciously campy and queer and over the top and absurd. And it's three episodes. So get into it. Um, Also, 
the guy who plays Dracula, class bang, Danish actor, was in The Bridge. I will never not watch something that an actor from The Bridge shows up in. But the real freak out this week, Bad Boys for Life, which I just saw last night. Y'all, this movie is so bad. It is so bad. And it is bad for weird reasons. Like you would think it would be bad because it's... um derivative which it is um because it didn't need to be made we're past this point of karen about these two characters which we are um that it's essentially a two and hour and 20 minute music video it is but all of those things like it could have been fun despite those flaws it was anti-fun this movie owes me fun it's it's in the red um for fun but one of the weirdest things about this is how it is overtly and explicitly christian which i was not (laughs) prepared for wow (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i just it was it was weird so martin lawrence um plays a character who okay so you know the characters from bad boys whatever bad boys for life y'all get it so he's ready to retire right and he has the very you know um reasonable kind of reflection that I've been living my life in this way that purports to be about like law and order, but really has embraced a lot of violence and death. And I don't want that to be my legacy, but it's framed in explicitly religious um, uh, ways. And, you know, he wears a cross, um, but, you know, it's constantly like praying and talking about his, his vow to God not to live a violent life anymore. And this is set up in contrast to the mother of the big bad, who is a witch, la bruja, um, who practices like this sort of cobbling together um, of, of kind of like santeria, you know, uh, kind of practice like but specifically like um, Mexican versions of spirituality that take, you know, um, um, like elements of Catholicism um, and other like indigenous uh, religious forms. So like that's set up in contrast to um, to Marcus's Christianity. And it's weird, y'all. It's weird, but it's not good weird. And it is offensive how Poorly, some of the action sequences are shot. Do not waste your money on Bad Boys for Life if you were thinking of doing it. I why, feel terrible because Bad Boys for you? Life too, classic. But whew. why did you waste your money on it? I did what? not. I had free passes. Oh, I, specifically to that? No, I had general free passes, and there's like nothing out that either I haven't seen already or that I want to see. So it was either this or Jumanji, Ooh. and uh, oh, yeah. So yeah. went to go see cool. Bad Boys for Life. Cool. M- have missed Martin Lawrence. I always thought that was a funny dude. I wanted my free money back. <laughs> it was terrible, terrible, y'all. Like, oh god. Anyways, All right. to you, Anita. Well, um, I was in Chicago this weekend, and I got the opportunity to have a um, a group of us were able to do a little behind-the-scenes tour of the Museum of Science and Industry. Um, my favorite part was actually not – like, there's some cool stuff behind the scenes, but I really love one of the exhibits that they have going on right now that we had a chance to check out, which is called Wired to Wear, and it's about wearables, um, like tech wearables. And so there's all of this just, like, fun – different kinds of pieces of things that are like prototypes and experiments or actually exist. Um, I have them all on my inst or have a, a story on my Instagram right now and I'll, I'll make it a highlight so you all can check it out. It's instagram.com slash Anita Sarkeesian. Um, but just one of the, I want to call out a couple of the things. There was a table of prosthetics, which I was really into. Um, and there's this one in particular that is a leg prosthetic and it is covered in these beautiful jewels and it has a speaker built into it. Um, and it was made for the performer Victoria Modesta, who had uh, amputation below the knee um, as a part of her, like, I don't know, per- as a performance or something like that. So that was on display. It was gorgeous. There was a um, a glitter cannon arm prosthetic, <laughs> which I really wish was uh, able to be used, but I imagine really messy. There was also a Nerf gun arm prosthetic. So you can just, yeah, I'm just saying, I just, you know, like these are fun things. Um, But there's a bunch of other stuff there. So for example, there is a spacesuit developed at MIT um, as a um, 
attempt to, it's called the biosuit, the MIT biosuit, um, as an attempt to try and make space um, spacesuits a lot lighter. Because right now they're about 300 pounds, the like the big, bulky, hard to move ones. Um, and this one is really form fitting. It like it's basically like a, a onesie and it looks really good. <laughs> I just I'm like I would wear that just for fun. Some of the other stuff that really stuck out at me, and this one I'm just like, I want. It's this beautiful dress. Um Okay, it's a beautiful dress. It's called the spider dress. And the reason it's called that is because it has this huge attachment over the shoulders. And the spiders actually have these, the spider arms have this sensor in them. And it senses if you're feeling anxious. And if you are, it will literally push the people around you away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's amazing. So good. Um, There was another one that's a jacket that has a sensor and a speaker on the back of the coat. And if people get too close, it barks at you. (laughs) I got to I got to go to Chicago. This sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, So behind the scenes, I found another one that looked like I didn't ask them, but it looked like it should have been a part of this exhibit, but probably didn't make it out. Um, Or maybe it was a part of a different exhibit. Um, And it's a dress you know, kind of like a nice sparkly dress. And apparently it is was created to count the number of times and the frequency of harassment that happens in Brazilian nightclubs. And oh. I was like, yo, like qualitative, quantitative data about harassment, but like fashion. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so into it. Um, but there was a bunch of neat stuff. There was this 1918 Henderson motorcycle prototype in the back. We got to play with all of these different sound effects. Uh, or Sorry, these, these old school machines that they used. Machines, I'm using massive air quotes. Um, that they used to do the sound effects in radio plays on NBC in the, I don't know, the 40s maybe? The 30s, 40s? Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, there'd just be a, a a little door and they would just, like, slam it and it would sound like a door is shut closing. Or um, a giant, you know, those, like, round bingo turny things but filled with shards of glass. And when you turn it, it sounds like a break-in happened. And so these are the oh. things that they would use, like, live as they were recording. And it was just really, really fun to play with it. So thanks so much to them for, um, you know, giving us the opportunity to check all of that out. It was delightful. And if you are in Chicago, um, go check out that Wire to Wear exhibit because it's really, really neat. I want to go. Well, you should. You can submit your own freakout at feministfrequency.com slash freakout. Thank you so much for listening to us. I have a couple of housekeeping things. Um, one, I am going to be at the Washington Post on Thursday. So I think the day after this comes out, I'm doing a live panel about video games and social impact. So you can check that out on the Washington Post live stream feeds, wherever the hell that is. We'll, we'll put a link to the information in the the bot in the info box. Wow. Um, and I'm stumbling <laughs> because I had a second piece of housekeeping I wanted to say, and I can't remember, but because I can't remember, I will quickly fill it in with, Hey, Ebony and I are running a Star Trek podcast. You might know yes, that. What you might not know is that we are podcasting Picard. So if you're watching it, come hang out with us. We are talking all about it. We've got some awesome guests. So please. Join Where else us are you going to get your hair report people? Nowhere. I'm just saying the hair report is a very essential part of my yearly existence. So mm-hmm. check that out. Please stay tuned for the freaking after party, which is only available to backers of this podcast. You can learn more at patreon.com slash femfreak. And you can find us everywhere. Great podcasts are found. And if you haven't yet, go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review us. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and all the social medias at FemFreak. I want to say a big special thanks to Ross at Trivia Escape Pod for letting me crash their recording space today while I'm uh, out here in Durham, North Carolina. So thank you. The show is engineered by Rob Para. Carrie Stimson provides technical support, artwork by Jamie Varon, and our intro music is by Phil Circus. Join us next week for another feminist dive into pop culture. Bye. Later. Bye. <laughs>